episode 178 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Now, you're probably listening to this and thinking, hang on a second, it should not be a mini episode this week. But unfortunately, I made a grave error in judgment in terms of time. And this was very inconveniently timed with a mix up in dates. And it just meant that I realized suddenly that I didn't have the time to research, write and record a main episode this week. I genuinely could kick myself uh, I've been thinking for ages that I need to have like a bank of main episodes just in case. And this is exactly a lesson in why that's very important. So I'm really sorry, but instead of a main episode this week, it will be a mini episode and all will be back to normal next week. And I have six spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from the 4th of April, 2022. And story number one comes from Tasha. The women on my mum's side of the family, including myself, all either smell, see or hear things. There are so many stories I could tell you but I've chosen this one as I feel it does somewhat involve me. There is two years between both me and my older brother. When he was just a few weeks old my mum went in to check on him in his cot. My brother had stopped breathing and he had turned grey and she screamed for my dad. My dad managed to get him to start breathing again and they went to the hospital immediately. The doctors told my parents that if my mum hadn't noticed, then my brother would have been a caught death. To say my mum was paranoid that my brother would again stop breathing through the night was an understatement. My mum is a very typical protective Scottish mother. After much arguments with the doctors, they couldn't guarantee it wouldn't happen again, so they gave my mum a breathing monitor that would give off an alarm if my brother was to stop breathing again during the night. He was hooked up with wires stuck to his little body at home during the night time. My mum said that during this time, my brother was on the monitor in his cot. She would see three ladies standing around his cot. At the head of the cot was my nana, my mum's mother. But she did not recognise the other two ladies, but was confident they were watching over my brother during the night. Eventually, the monitor got taken away from my mother, as another newborn and mother had experienced the same as my mum and they needed it. My mum was very anxious, but he did not stop breathing again, which is good. This is the spooky as fuck part. A few weeks after the breathing monitor was taken away, my mum had a dream. I feel it's a very good time to input that my mother, even in the 25 years since I can remember, has always said she never remembers her dreams or has vivid ones. She can still remember every single detail of this dream almost 28 years later. I had her retell me the dream for the purpose of this email. There was no setting. Everything was black. There was no ground that she stood on, just a black void all around her. She's standing staring into the darkness and this figure fades forward. The only way she can describe him is a phantom. He wears a long black coat that covers his whole head and face. She can't see any distinguishable features. No feet, no arms, nothing just a floating cloak. He held two babies, one in each arm, a boy and a girl. My brother was the boy. She 100% knew it at the time. She tells me not to ask her how, but just explains that when you're a mother, you can't mistake your own baby for another. The little girl was me. She said she didn't realise it at the time, as I wasn't even conceived, but it was me. She knows it because when I was born, she knew she had seen me before. The phantom stood and stared at her and he puts my brother towards her and says, I take your son, I give you girl. My mum, being greedy and cheeky, says, no, I want them both. 
My mother had always wanted a daughter, so you can see why she wanted both. It recoiled as if my mum had offended it. It then said, I give you girl, I take your son. My mum said at this point she cried out no, that she wanted her son back. The phantom handed her my brother and then faded into the blackness with me. A short time after that, my mum fell pregnant. What's really strange about this is my mum was on contraception at the time of her pregnancy. I don't want to go into too much detail, but they were taking a lot of precautions as they also had my oldest brother to feed and care for on only my dad's army wage, which wasn't much in the 90s. My auntie's words to my mum when she told her was that it was a gift from God. Nine months later, I was born, the little girl from my mum's disturbing dream. My mum always says that she thinks that dream was a test and that she thinks that she passed. I have no idea, but all I know is that I have been obsessed with the paranormal and I hear and smell things when I'm in active places. Me and my brother were near enough joint at the hip growing up and still are to this day. He's my best friend and we have had a very unique bond. I always say to him it's because we knew each other before this life, but he is such a sceptic he just tells me to shut up in the typical big brother way. I think your mother and father lived through what is every parent's worst nightmare and obviously the outcome was good in the end which is a good thing but if I was a parent in that situation I think I'd be I'd be absolutely paranoid as well and not knowing what to do and be terrified to let my child go to sleep and all of those all of those terrible things that come with um, a near miss like that and that dream sounds so strange it does make you wonder what's going on sort of just beyond the veil but whatever it was whatever that phantom was things worked out your brother is okay you're here and okay and your brother and you have a really good relationship and listen that's what matters and story number two comes from zara my mother and i decided to visit brighton and we had booked this vibrant apartment it looked really aesthetically pleasing and cozy it had two bedrooms When we arrived, it took us a while to find the key. The owner said it was in a cave under the stairs. It was dark and wet and suddenly it appeared. We got into the apartment and I felt really negative energy. I felt heavy and sad. We started to tour the apartment and realised how far our rooms were. One was in the back and one was in the front. I decided on the one in the front because it looked pretty. However, as I entered, I saw a room inside my room. It had a glass window. At first I thought it was a bathroom so I went to open the door and found it was locked. It made me feel uneasy and it was dark inside so I couldn't see what was in there. I pushed my phone up against the window to see inside and there were tons of black and white pictures of a girl and children's toys and paintings this child had probably done. I brushed it off and thought oh it's just a private room. But the window was over my bed, so I struggled to sleep. The apartment was cold, and there was an awful smell in the living room. We opened all of the windows, but the smell just wouldn't go. The apartment had old antiques, but there was something about the sofa that terrified me, so I just sat on the chair. The first night, I was too scared to sleep in my room, and went and slept with my mum instead. I could just hear footsteps and tapping but I prayed and closed my eyes and eventually I fell asleep. And the next day, my stepdad came to stay. I was relieved. 
He was extremely religious and always prayed and I thought maybe the spirits would back off for a while. We made breakfast and I went to brush my teeth. My stepdad called me and said, there's a cat. And I rushed out in excitement, but the cat just stared at my mum who was sat on the sofa. It paid no attention to me or my stepdad, but just stared at my mum. I knew something wasn't right. The third night was my stepdad's final night there and I prayed and fell asleep. I'm a deep sleeper and cannot wake up ever. I have like 50 alarms. My mum's always screaming at me to wake up. However, I got up, but I kind of rose out of bed and walked straight into the living room and sat right in the middle of the sofa. I had left my phone in the room and when I looked out the window, it's pitch black. Terrified, I ran back to bed and prayed and went to sleep. In the day, my stepdad left me and my mum and we were terrified and my mum booked a hotel for the last night. We packed in five minutes, called a cab and as my mum went to shut the door, it wouldn't close. She was fighting it and I wasn't aware of this until she reached the hotel and told me that it felt like there was somebody holding the door open. The whole thing said shivers down my spine. I don't blame you. That room or that Airbnb sounds really scary. I'd love to look at the other reviews and see what the other reviews say, whether they're like, yeah, the Airbnb was fine, but there was that scary room with all the pictures of the girl in it. And I know when you go and stay in Airbnbs, like they can be a bit, a bit quirky sometimes. Uh, they can be a bit different. You can come across weird things in Airbnbs. But if I was staying in an Airbnb and there was a window into my bedroom and through that window, there was another room that was full of like children's toys and pictures of a little girl, I'd... I'd have things to say I think and if I was in an Airbnb and there was a whole series vibe going on oh I'd find that very difficult. It sounds like you and your mom made the right decision by going and staying in a hotel for the last night of your stay. I would have done the same thing. And story number three comes from Brian. In 2003 my grandmother died of ALS. For those that do not know the disease it is a genetic disease with no known cure which slowly degenerates the muscle neurons in the body and patients mostly die of suffocation. Although my grandmother's battle with ALS was relatively short, it was painful to watch my grandmother, who was once so full of life, energy and grace, slowly lose her ability to walk, talk and eventually perform the most basic motor skills. In fact, at the very end, my grandfather, who was a doctor, would feed her through a straw as her throat muscles were not functioning properly. She begged him to end her life as the pain was insufferable. She eventually succumbed to ALS on All Saints Day, November the 1st, 2003. I remember being picked up from a Halloween sleepover and my mom broke the news to us and I was absolutely devastated. Since my family is Jewish, the burial had to be relatively quick. So we all headed down to Richmond, Virginia where my grandparents had their home. Their house was a beautiful colonial house with lots of acreage and a dizzying amount of bedrooms. There was a blue room, a green room, a red room and a brown room filled with colour matching, ornate furniture and colour coordinated carpet. My sister and I always slept in the red room. Only a couple of days after her death, while sleeping in the red room, I suddenly woke up and against a black dresser in the front of the room, I saw the ghost of my deceased grandmother. She was in a red sweatshirt, jeans and white shoes, similar to her usual dress. I was obviously petrified 
and she slowly turned her gaze back and forth from me to my sister, with her hands crossed, almost as if she was watching over us as we slept. I immediately threw a beanie baby at my sister's bed, and I told my sister to wake up and look at the dresser, and she gasped because she saw the exact same image and later recounted the same type of clothes I noticed that she was wearing too. The time was 3.32am. We both closed our eyes and went back to bed, but to this day we've been told by psychics and family members that this was her way of saying goodbye before passing, especially since she didn't have the chance to physically, which I know was extremely hard for her. It brings me much comfort. Sharing my story has given me some catharsis, and to this day, she is the only immediate family member with whom I've experienced death. To watch somebody die is, is incredibly difficult. And I say that as somebody who has experienced a lot of death. But to watch somebody die who is slowly losing their abilities and losing their function, and as happens with diseases like ALS, it must be really, really horrendous, both for the people who are watching this happen, but also the person who's experiencing it, knowing that you're going to die and knowing that closer to the end, you're not going to be able to say those goodbyes that you want to say. So I like to think when we hear these stories that something happens in the process of the afterlife. I don't know what the afterlife looks like. None of us do, right? And people have many different beliefs about it and that's fine. But I'd like to think that something happens where people do get the chance to come back and say goodbye or have those last meaningful moments with the people that they love the most. And look, we all should be taking some comfort from that, I think. Also, a big shout out to the um, Beanie Baby throwing. Never really had Beanie Babies, but I know they were a big thing. They were a big thing, Beanie Babies. Everybody collected them thinking they were going to be worth loads of money, and I don't I don't actually think they are. And straight number four comes from Anne-Marie. Throughout my life, I've experienced a number of paranormal things. I guess you could say it began in the house I grew up in. It was a very hostile environment in which I grew up. And so Emma, as you say, I don't know if all of the negative energy manifested or just made what was already there worse. To start things off, I absolutely hated going upstairs alone as a child and I mean hated it. There was always a creepy, scary vibe, almost the way most people would feel, I think, about going into an old attic or a basement. As if you need to turn on every light and then make a dash for the stairs to get out of there as fast as you can. Especially in the room that ended up being mine. I would always sleep with the light and the TV on. However, sometimes, I'm assuming my parents would come in the middle of the night and turn everything off. Because hey, we don't own stock in the electric company. It didn't stop my room from feeling 100 times scarier when everything was in the dark. One time, I was lucid dreaming. And lucid dreaming is kind of scary to me, as in, that's a lot of power to have, and I'm always scared I won't end up being able to control whatever or whoever comes into my dream. Anyway, long story short, during this dream, I woke up within the dream, walked out of my door and down to where the bathroom was. There was something off about it, and I could tell that I wasn't alone. And for whatever reason, I realised I wasn't actually awake, so I made myself wake up. And I did, only I was still in the dream. I repeated the same actions as before and was literally fighting with my mind and my body to get myself to fully wake up. It almost felt like I was not in full control because if I had been, 
I would have been able to wake up all the way the way I wanted to. That was one experience. Now we've always heard strange sounds like footsteps upstairs when no one is there and such like. I've also smelled cigarette smoke in random spots when there's no one there and no one in our house smokes. My dad's late grandparents smoked a lot and I always believed it was them. I've also witnessed the shower curtain lift itself up onto the tub when no one was around it and no logical explanation for what I saw. I would also sometimes feel a finger somehow swipe at the covers over my head. Just one single swipe. And once when I mistakenly left my hand out from the covers, I felt a finger trace my palm. All of that alone is enough to be like, okay, that's enough touching now. However, there was one night in particular that was the epitome of everything that I've experienced. Well, at least in that house. I was in my sister's room sleeping in her bed as she was at a friend's house. I sleep with the covers pulled over my head, I always have. Only my mouth and my nose are exposed, because, you know, breathing and such. And if the covers are over your head, nothing too bad will happen. This was about to be proven wrong. I was lying on my stomach, turned somewhat to the right. All of a sudden, I felt a hand simultaneously at my head and feet, almost like someone was tucking me in. And they whispered, Loudly. I fucking froze. I was freaking out and trying to figure out what to do. I eventually mustered up the courage after at least 15 minutes to get the hell out of there. I called my friend just so I wasn't alone. I have tried in the past to assertively tell whatever it was in the house they are not welcome. However, since I was not the mother of the home, and I have heard and believe that the mother is the most powerful when it comes to protecting her home, I don't think my trying to protect the home worked. We have had a sensitive come to the house and he told us it was a spirit attached to an item that my dad had acquired from eBay. My dad was big into eBay and had tons of stuff from all over. The sensitive also told us that the spirit is not malevolent. However, the amount of bad dreams I've had since then where dark stuff happens in that house where I'm literally fighting with whatever it is tells me different. I know that the sensitive came in and said the spirit wasn't malevolent and I know necessarily the touching isn't malevolent, but it it's also not pleasant. It's not benevolent. It's not something that I would be going, you know, if I felt something stroke my hand in the bedroom or if I felt something tucking me in or if I felt something swipe in the bedclothes, I wouldn't be thinking, oh, that's okay. That they're not, they're not a bad spirit. They're just trying to show me love in the middle of the night when it's dark and terrifying. I just, no, no, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't do it for me. It wouldn't scream benevolence for me no it just wouldn't be my vibe I would be getting the hell out of that bedroom getting the hell out of Dodge it just no and story number five comes from Danielle these stories are about what my three-year-old niece has been seeing recently that is without doubt freaking me and my family out my mum babysits my three-year-old niece Lil for my sister while she works My mum owns two x-race horses and goes to the stables to look after them so she takes Lil with her. The first instance was when they were both at the other end of the stables away from the caravan that is kind of a tack room seating area where they can use the toilet, make coffee, food and watch TV. They heard a loud bang come from the caravan and both looked at each other and Lil said, It's a monster! My mum didn't think anything much of it and continued what she was doing. Bear in mind there wasn't anyone else at the stables at this time. 
Half an hour later, another bang, and Lil said, It's the monster, again. My mum started getting a bit creeped out, but again, didn't think too much into it. Another morning, about a couple of weeks later, this happened. Before my mum started to muck out, she put my niece in the caravan that is right next to the stables in eye view. This caravan has a TV in it with sofas so Lil can watch TV, eat food and sit comfortably while my mum was busy. A little while later, my mum heard a scream and saw Lil run out of the caravan without any shoes on in a panic. She came running over to my mum and my mum said, What's wrong, Lil? And she took her back into the caravan to see why she screamed. She sat down on the sofa with Lil and said, What's wrong? Lil pointed to the ceiling and said, The man, the man. My mum got so freaked out that she had to ask my sister if Lil had ever said she had seen a monster or even talked about one. My sister said no, never, and she certainly doesn't watch anything scary, she's only three years old. This last story was a couple of months later. Sitting in my sister's living room, my sister said to my mum, Lil's not been sleeping well, and my mum asked why, and Lil straight away said, because of the ghost? My other niece was there and continued to ask Lil questions like was it a man or a woman and Lil said a man. Seconds after Lil looked to an empty seat on the sofa and looked down and whispered there's a little girl on the sofa and then she said she's just got up she's going up the stairs. My mum, sister and other niece just went quiet in shock and then Lil said she wants to play with my toys. I can go on for hours about hauntings within my family, as we all seem to experience a lot, but this one for sure had nope written all over it. This one absolutely did have nope written all over it. Isn't it funny that stables, like with horses, stables, seem to come up quite regularly in stories? I wonder what is what, what it is about stables. Is it like that maybe some of them are quite old, like as in they've been there for a long period of time? Um, like... Working with horses for a lot of people is a real lifestyle choice, you know, in whatever capacity they work in with horses. So it's kind of like it's a real passion. It's all consuming. So whether they are reliving that, you know, as as throughout the throughout the time after they've died or whether or not this kid, this this little Lil uh, was just seeing a man or just seeing a monster regularly. Who who knows? But also, I don't want to know. Let's hope Lil gets to that age very quickly where she grows out of all of that because that sounds very scary. And story number six comes from Tifa. I live in an old 450-year-old farmhouse in a small village in England near Brighton. I'm still creeped out by what I saw. I'm 14 years old and I'm still seeing these people. Since I moved into this house, I've been feeling like I've been watched a lot. Doors slam in the night. Doors that I make sure are latched up tight so no animals can open them because I'm so spooked out by it. Floorboards creak but you can tell the difference between a human and an animal. The cat is too light to make a creak and so is the dog. The footsteps sound like my dad but I hear them when he's out of the house or when he's downstairs. They're too light to be my mum's footsteps so I know they are a man's probably around the same weight as my dad. But every time I've checked there's been no one there and everyone's asleep. Toilets flush in the night or when I'm alone, the taps turn on too. The dogs and the cat act odd when these things happen, 
like staring at one patch on the wall for ages, or the cat randomly jumping up and sprinting from the room after hearing the footsteps. I was 11 when I first saw them. I was thirsty and went to the bathroom. Something felt off, but I was thirsty so I brushed it off. As I entered the corridor leading into the bathroom, I saw three people. Now, being 11, I followed the basic rules of being a kid when, if you're scared, you jump into the bed and cover your head with a duvet. So I sprinted back to bed, closed the door tightly and covered my head. Now, scientists say that the human brain can't make up new faces without basing them on anyone. But I've never seen anyone who looked remotely like these people. It was a family, I think. A woman in a big black dress, like one of those Victorian dresses and a black hat holding a white umbrella with a floral pattern. A man stood beside her in a top hat and tails. Then there was a boy. He wore beige three-quarter length shorts and a black t-shirt and holding a toy train in his left hand by the string. Their eyes were bright white, but other than that they looked completely normal, despite the fact they looked like they were from the Victorian era. Their clothes and faces were burnt. I know there was a fire in the barn on the farm around one or two hundred years ago because some of the beams are still there, left because they were strong enough to stay and support the roof. But no matter how hard I try to find out any info about the house, I never can. It's like it doesn't exist. It's 450 years old. It's not like it's particularly recent. So it's slightly odd I can't find anything about it. I'm 14 now, as I said, and have been seeing these people and hearing things every few months since. Always around the same time, 11 or 12 at night. Oh, listen, Tifa, I'm really sorry that you are seeing these people in your house. Is it worthwhile talking to your parents about it? I don't know if you already have. You haven't alluded to whether or not you have. But is it worthwhile talking to them and saying, look, I'm getting a bit freaked out. These are the things that happened. And maybe they might be able to, like, help you to manage your feelings around it or maybe they're experiencing something similar or it might be just worthwhile having a chat with them and see if they if they go okay we've been hearing noises too and then at least you won't feel like you're alone in experiencing it and I think you're right to try and find out some stuff about the house 450 years of history is a long time so it might be a pretty good project to like try and find something out but I don't know where you could find it I'm not very good with finding that kind of information I know obviously there's lots on the internet But I wonder if your local library will have archives about plans for the house or people that have lived there or even like some sort of census for who used to live in the house. Because it might give you some peace of mind about who these people are that you're seeing. And luckily, like from what it sounds like you're saying, I know that, uh, you know, it's not pleasant to be seeing these things, but it doesn't sound like it's anything that's, you know, particularly malevolent, which is maybe a good thing to hold on to. Thank you so much for listening to today's story. Thank you to Tasha, Zara, Brian, Anne-Marie, Danielle and Tifa for sending in your stories. Remember the last story came from the 4th of April 2022. And again, my enormous apologies for completely messing up my schedule this week. I am um, very annoyed myself, but also kind of impressed that it's taken me four years to properly mess up like this. But next week, all will be back to normal. I am hoping... That there will be no mishaps or mix-ups on my part next week. So 
Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to learn anything about Real Life Ghost Stories podcast, you can do so by checking out reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. If you are desperate to find some new Real Life Ghost Stories content, there is loads of content on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, but also every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. 